For the San Francisco music scene. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. Hey, my name's Alan Moskowitz, and you're listening to the Fake Publishing Millionaires Hour on BFF FM. It's an absolute pleasure to be here oh, once again. And I've got Sarah Maloney coming up in a little bit talking about Artsy Fartsy Press, Pay What You Want Publishing, uh, Cosmic Queers. And I split it up to play some folk punk and other cool shit for you. That was Sparkle Carpet from Portland, Oregon. Uh, They are pretty easy to find on uh, social media and on streaming like everywhere. If you like that, they got a whole album full of that. And I think maybe another album? Anyhow, I'd like to play you another Portland band called The Taxpayers. This one's called Some Kind of Disaster Relief.
Anybody else hear that band through Jeff Rosenstock's digital record label, quote unquote, records? No? Maybe? I don't know. Hey, if you did, then I'm with you, and that's pretty cool. Coming up next is Paul Barabaugh with Grand Ledge. Rather, that's the name of the album, and the song is called Ten Things. Name ten things you want to do before you die and then go do them. Name ten places you really want to be before you die and then go to them. Name ten books you want to read before you die and then go read them. Name ten songs you want to hear again before you die. Get all your friends together and scream them. Because right now, all you have is time, time, time. Yeah, but someday that time will run out. That's the only thing you can be absolutely certain about. Think of all the things that are wrong with your life and then fix them. Think of all the things that you love about your life. Be thankful you are blessed with them. Think of all the things that hold you back and realize that you don't need them. Think of all the mistakes you have made in your life. Make sure that you never repeat them. Because right now, all you have is time, time, time. Yeah, but someday that time will run out. That's the only thing you can be absolutely certain about. Name 10,000 reasons why you never want to die. Go and tell someone who might have forgotten. Try to list the endless reasons why it's good to be alive And then just smile for a while about them Soon the sun will rise and another day will come Soon enough the sun will set, another day will be gone And right now all you have is time, time, time Yeah, but someday that time will run out That's the only thing you can be absolutely certain about Okay, if you're just tuning in, once again, it's the Fake Publishing Millionaire's Hour. My name is Alan Moskowitz. My guest today is Sarah Maloney, M-A-L-O-N-E-Y. And you can find their stuff over at at Maloney Doodles on, uh, you know, Instagram, social media and stuff. And we're going to talk about Artsy Fartsy Press. In fact, I placed one of the Pay What You Want uh, orders recently, and I happened to, in our busy lives, catch Sarah as they were printing um, some of these zines for that particular service. I won't delay. Let me tell you some more about it. But in terms of a past tense, allow me to take you to the interview that we did a little bit earlier this week. So you're printing out zines right now? Yeah, the ones that we'll talk about. Also, I saw you placed a a zine pack order. I figured that was a good place to start. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll print those out today. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so tell me a little bit about how that works with Artsy Fartsy Press and about the Pay It Forward comic system. I first made just this zine called This Is a Zine About Making Zines because um, I really love self-publishing and I like the idea of people being able to pretty easily just get the story or information out um, with just like a paper and pen. Um, So I thought it'd be fun to make like a free zine about how people could do that. And that's how the project started. And then just like over the last couple of years, I started adding to the sort of the zine pack or what is the zine pack now with uh, story building, brainstorming comics, and risograph printing. And these are just all things I feel like I have just, I've been interested about and have learned about through people and just making comics myself. So I made free zines just with like some things I had learned from my own experience, um, hoping that other people would make comics and zines. <laughs> and then I came across uh, this artist, um, and Luke Kruger Howard, I think on Instagram or maybe in a comic store, I don't remember. And he had this book called Goes, which he published through a not-for-profit publishing model, which I hadn't really heard of, but uh, the idea is simple. You just 
go online or get in contact with a person and order a book. Um, <clears throat> and then the cost that you pay is optional. Like, you don't have to pay. So essentially, someone can get a free comic. Uh, and then they uh, the cost is is how much the production and printing is for the book. So, like, say it costs $2 to make those. Um, I could give this artist $2 to, towards the printing and production cost, but it would go to, like, a stranger. Like, I'd be paying for the next person or a few people down the line their copy. And I just really liked uh, the idea of that because, yes, I have to pay rent, and we all have these expensive lives, unfortunately, under capitalism. <laughs> but... Uh, in an ideal world, I wouldn't be charging people for my art and stories. Um, and I just saw this model as a way to sort of practice a little bit what I'd like the world to be like. Um, so then I thought, hey, I have these zine packs that are just like, just a simple printer paper folded. I could use this model that Luke, I found out through Luke, um, so are all of the zines that you have in the zine pack uh, educational? Yes. So we have one about how to make like um, an eight-page zine out of, and then the other, there's two others about sort of about how to make a story or what to think about when you make a comic. And then there's one that's just like an intro to risograph printing. Um, yeah, I tried to make them all educational. <laughs> how did you come into doing risograph? printing maybe after I had made my first comic or two and I was just looking I was in Seattle and I was trying to figure out um, an affordable way to print my comics in color um I wish I remembered how <laughs> it's probably like everything through word of mouth of like other artists or you know I just go into comic shops or art spaces and just talk to people probably like yeah <laughs> and Someone recommended this type of printing that I hadn't heard before. Um, so I took like the intro class or workshop <clears throat> through this local museograph printer. And ever since then, um, I've just sort of been obsessed. <laughs> when you say cheaper for colors, um, I've been doing uh, all of the comics that I've put out basically that are in color or like produced on any mass level. Um, through uh, Minuteman, uh, just because I usually the quality is about level and the prices are pretty level and they're a chain, but kind of like a franchise. And I kind of appreciate that it's still just the printers there. But um, how much cheaper would it be to do a risograph printing than to go to a, a print shop, like a cheap print shop ordinarily for color comics? It depends on how many colors you use and how many pages is your, your comic. Sometimes I feel like with printing, um, it's only affordable if you do like 500 copies of, book, of a book, which is not really, uh, it's hard to start out that way. So I just started out by printing a two-color, I think it was maybe like 12-page uh, risograph comic, and I got 100 copies. I think they ended up being like about $2 each. Okay. So it might be, because I, I haven't used non-risograph printing in so long, I don't know like the what the difference may be. <laughs> I like, uh, definitely, like, I love the way that risograph printing looks, and I appreciate, honestly, being an old-school comic. I, I, I'm such a, a dork for old mainstream comics in the way that the colors are kind of very strange and limited, and they create a palette based on that. But, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know, like, print shops are kind of a quick and dirty thing. Like, you want copies? We'll make them look like they do on the screen, <laughs> you know? Uh, it is a very specific style that Risograph brings to the scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's definitely um, a huge appeal to me. Um, and I just, I like going in and spending time doing, it's sort of tedious, but, like, I enjoy that and, like, trying to make it right, but it's not perfect. Because risograph printing isn't going to be, uh, it's not going to be perfect. And I like that, that you could see each, each comic was, someone did it. <laughs> uh, with like mainstream comics, when they, just the more fucked up something becomes, it may not be appreciated at the time, but 
it seems like the market value for it goes up. If you look at these, like any issue with a flaw that comes from a printing issue suddenly becomes valuable. But once it hits the print stands, if it's torn, that reverses that kind of twee value to it. <laughs> Hey, all right, that was Sarah Maloney, and this is Harley Poe, and we're going to play a little bit more music. Big Publishing Leaners out.
do you fear death? May I ask why? I face the number the moment we start In the end it all falls apart Each and every pointless work of art Do you have purpose or do you just cope? Why keep living if you never find hope? Keep hanging in there, hang yourself from a rope Die young to grow old and see Kick and scream or go gracefully Delay if you can, but it's your destiny Like music? Like supporting the local scene? Like doing nice things? Well, donate to BFF.FM at BFF.FM slash donate today to help keep community radio and the Bay Area music scene alive. All right, we're back. My name is Alon Moskowitz, and I have some more of this interview with Sarah Maloney at Maloney Doodles on Instagram or anywhere else in Artsy Fartsy Press, a pay-what-you-want publishing service where Sarah will send you some pretty kick-ass zines about making zines, meta-zines, if you will. Well, let me talk now when I've got a whole bunch of really cool conversations just waiting for me to push this button right here. It's going to happen. So uh, tell me about World Ends in a Pood. That's my uh, my newest comic, Penny Splendor. And uh, Bert did a wonderful job printing it with the Rizograph. Um, and it's part of my Cosmic Queer series. You can pick up a copy from just like through Instagram at Maloney Doodles. Or you can come into Silver Sprocket. They should have some copies. It's sort of like a, a pop, apocalyptic sci-fi this one is a little more informative. I like mixed in actual science about tardigrades and end of the world science and climate disaster <laughs> into the story. I haven't read the whole thing, but I've seen a lot of the stuff you've been posting on social media. And I do, I, I wanted to ask, you were doing like, for instance, like water bears or some of the creatures that you would have to draw, mm-hmm. correct? Where did you go to get your uh, source material for that? It'll, it'll be a mix of like online articles, Things people tell me, like, and then I like follow up with like research. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. Or <clears throat> I'll read. Um, sometimes I'll go out and try to find some books at the library. The books I read are more about um, sort of like physics for people that don't do math well or do, you know don't know <laughs> science super well. But I like learning about the ideas of it all. I'm in the same yeah. boat. That's exactly <laughs> what I like. That and, like books on tape. I I try to see if I can just listen to something long enough and then start to understand the concept. If they just keep talking and don't wait for me, it's working okay. <laughs> I often have to go back two or three times. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I've been listening to one about the race to um, track red shifts through different telescopes around the world. And like scientists get pretty cutthroat about stuff that and like archeologists, I, you know, it's a, it's fascinating how it's, it's a fight. It's a fight to get that discovery. Mm-hmm. No, there's so much exciting stuff to know about what's going on around us, even if we can't see it. Uh, I read through one of your comics on the rumpus recently, uh, your comic Stolen. Mm-hmm. I, I like it a lot. It definitely, not, none of that sounds like a, a fun autobiographical experience to have experienced, but I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of working cafe jobs or sort of like, I very specifically food service jobs and how that affects your workflow mm-hmm. as an artist. And I know you don't specifically work in food service anymore. Is that accurate? That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. No, I, yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I had, that was sort of the first memoir comic I made and I sketched out a few other ones and I realized all of them sort of revolved around uh, jobs. <laughs> and I was like, oh man. <laughs> uh, I've just worked a lot of like retail and like food service jobs. No one enjoys it. You know, there's part, like I like the part of making drinks for people. Like there's a little bit of art and like food and you're like, here's like a little thing that you'll enjoy. Like I like that. But 
<laughs> the rest of dealing with people and money all day wasn't wasn't great. But it also, I feel like it gives you time to, uh, to think about. A lot of my coworkers were like artists and, and musicians in some way. And uh, obviously we weren't like spending our time thinking or talking about work when we were there. We were talking with each other. And I felt like that, honestly, a lot of my coworkers at all my different like retail food service jobs were really formative in shaping sort of how I wanted to spend my time outside of work because um, I found them inspiring, sort of that mind-numbing job. You have time to think about other things you'd rather be doing. <laughs> and I was like, and that sort of motivated me to to want to make more art. And then it seems like it, those jobs have now informed my art because <laughs> I'm making stories about that at the time. It is kind of interesting how like you wind up going through your whole day when you're working a job like that, trying to get back to making the art about it. And then by the time you're like, like I stopped cooking recently and I had this story about uh, lime. I have a choose your own adventure I've been working on as a book recently. And I realized it was, it just came down to the wacky and kind of like heart wrenching decisions you have to make as an essential worker in a city that's both on fire and occupied by the federal government. And it's just like, I'm trying to have some fun with it also. It's all about uh, Oregon and how many cryptids and weird monsters there are. But ultimately, like, the parts that are the hardest are where it's like, oh, right, I got to get back to this thing. Why? Why? Some days you just have this crisis, like, why am I writing about jobs? But they're, like, I don't know. I, I, I read, I was talking to somebody who does nothing but play drums all the time, uh, an older guy. And he we were talking about Anthony Bourdain's um, uh, Kitchen Confidential. And he was just so like fascinated with like, wow, this world of cooking. And it's like, you know, I don't know if you ever, you've clearly never worked a line. It's as dreadful as this sounds. Like drugs are great, you know, um, but people fetishize food service in this way where they, they cook at home and they think that that's the experience and they're shocked that it's like this kind of life for, not like life or death, but I mean, you can get fucked up pretty bad working in a kitchen and you're like being rushed around. I don't know. It's, I find that mm-hmm. people are fascinated with these lifestyles as well. All of our perceptions of each other are so different. I want to read, what was the name of that comic you, you said you were you had made or are making? Oh, uh, I'm making one right now. It's not a comic. It's uh, a choose-your-own-adventure book that's illustrated. There are pictures. Uh, it's called Essential Workers. And uh, I've been very transparent on the internet about pitching this at Clash Books. So if this is an episode you're listening to, in a year, and that book hasn't come out. The pitch didn't work, and I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm excited to buy it. It has been hard to tell this whole time if that noise in the background is the traffic in the morning in a small apartment, or the actual print copies being made as Sarah is working on printing more zines for the Artsy Fartsy Press uh, zine distribution service. Uh, I've been puzzling myself this whole time and earlier as I was going through these recordings trying to think about what that noise was and it kind of got me on this track listening to older recordings from uh, punk bands and ska bands on the east coast and a lot of the folk punk I just started thinking about uh, kind of like songs that almost defy the recording quality. There are some some well recorded bands that I want to play too but um, this is uh, two songs by the band Too Short Notice. Uh, they are an East Coast ska band from the early 2000s that uh, I uh, I interviewed Jeff Rosenstock years ago for a Bay Guardian article, and he was trying to remember their name, and the only way that he was trying to trigger the memory was to describe them as a tragically named band. They were cool. Uh, well... I don't know. I was in high school and going to ska shows. I think uh, cool is a relative term with this kind of music, but uh, it was it was neat to get to see a fully formed, well put together band whose recordings you could take home. That I don't know. Uh, I remember we played hacky sack with them in a parking lot one time, and it's not you know, not earth changing memories about you know, just good stuff. Fuck it. This is too short notice, and this first song is called Stitch, and the second song is called Go On, Get Out of Here.
on NPR when they're like now we come to the time where we ask you to donate well this is like that but short donate at bff.fm slash donate today all right fake publishing millionaires hour and hey while you're hanging out and listening I uh, figured I'd play some more old school ska songs uh, this one is called draw the line by Big D and the kids table from their first album This is a recording of the Arrogant Sons of Bitches covering Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead. Every Halloween they used to dress up as a different, really popular band and pretend to be that whole band as an eight-piece. So this is an eight-piece Radiohead with everybody pretending to be Tom York, and this is Fake Plastic Trees. You limey bastard. We have all the time in the world because we are Radiohead. We can play forever. And everyone will stay and watch us. Green plastic water wink.
The outro is over. Back to the year 2022 and an interview that we did with Sarah Maloney. So let's uh, go to the final portion of that interview right now. I'm juggling uh, uh, the ska band, the synth band, this very fun radio show and uh, trying to uh, trying to write a choose your own adventure and work a stupid coffee day job. Uh, so I was going to ask you about what deadlines look like for you and what stress looks like as an artist uh, where you're at in your life. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I feel like the majority of my art, oh, my cat just came to visit. Um, <laughs> majority of my art is like self-published. So um, I'm the one setting my deadlines, uh, <laughs> which I think I work I am like a creature of habit. Like I like just enough structure so that I can like be flexible in my life. So I think I, I do pretty well with just like slowly sort of chipping away at a project. Um, and I've self-published, I don't know, maybe like seven or more comics. So I sort of have a general idea of how, now I'm like, okay, I know how long a project takes. So I sort of give myself like, well, Sarah, you want to do this thing that's a 12-page comic, you probably can do it in 6 to 12 months. <laughs> um, and I give myself just, like, so much time and space so that I that I, I want to enjoy as much as I can, like, what I'm doing since I love art. And it's how I express myself. Like, I don't want it to become something that stresses me out. So I'm like, how can I, how can I think about each day like the little steps that end up being the big steps. Um, 
and I just try to be really kind to myself. Like, if I sit down and nothing happens that day, that's totally fine. Like, I don't, at least for me, I don't believe in, like, oh, you have to, like, draw every day for this many hours or write every day. Like, I think some days you just need to, like, go to work and enjoy the people you're around or, like, go on a walk and read a book. And that's all part of how we were talking about, like, work sort of informing story or art. Like, it all comes together in some way. Um, But when it comes to, like, making art for other people, that can, or, like, you know, a gig or something, that can be more stressful because I feel like everyone's going to have different perception of the timeline of art, how long it's going to make. And they, like, also, sometimes they just want something. They're like, okay. So in, like, a few weeks, it'll be done. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I try to, like, space those out because uh, otherwise other people's projects can take over your mind. And it is more stressful, I think. So as best I can, I try to be kind to myself, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I found it interesting that you were talking about six to 12 months Um about you have very detailed line work I've noticed and like the shadows are really cool like I I, I'm always curious about how long it takes somebody to draw specific things um I was looking at uh like stolen how long did that one take for instance also things come out at different pace like what you're talking about like sometimes you're like you look at something like wow that must have taken like so long and then sometimes like no that was like I just sat down and it came out yeah. It's a four-page comic. I pretty much did it in the fall, so I think that one was probably only three months, I think. But, but I was also working on other stuff at the same time. My like line work for that one happened really fast. Um, I think I just had a story that had been sitting in my head. Also, that's the other thing, right? Like, when you sit down to do something, maybe you've actually spent, like, hours in your own head. <laughs> like, when you're walking to the bus or, like, in the shower or... I don't know, just whenever, like, sort of concepting whether you realize it or not. So that one had been sort of concrete in my head. I just had to, like, sketch it out and then ink it. I know what you mean. Like, songs or or whatever project you have last in your head tends to just sit there no matter what else you're doing. And I feel like that's when it's the best ideas, is that they're bothering you for a few days straight and you need to get them out and it takes over your ability to kind of focus on other shit. That's usually a fucking good sign, you know? I mean, that's like when it lines up and you're like, it feels good. You're like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the worst is that uh, that, que- that, que- that middle of the road, like when you're like 50% there and you're like, is this still good? I've lost my taste for this. Like you're mixing an album <laughs> and you're almost there. You're inking something and you're like, did yeah. I lose where the line work was? <laughs> yeah, that also happens too. You're like, oh, gosh, what have I done? Where am I? I appreciate that. Whereas, like, um, with music, you can hire people to, producers, sure, but even just somebody to, like, get levels and, like, another set of ears. Whereas with, I mean, you could could work in a team to, to ink these things, but it's not like there's a specific person or studio you could go to to be like hey I, I did the pencil work and i'm scared i'm gonna fuck this up please you got this you're you're 100 percent gonna ace this right that's not a thing you could find correct no it, that is true uh also sometimes like specific what you just said like oh how would i pass this on to someone else it would be very chaotic because they would just get like a few scraps of paper with random lists some like half thumbnails and maybe one drawing <laughs> And you're like, how do I put this together? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what'll happen. <laughs> like people, there are still comic book inkers, but it seems like a much more uh, personal relationship unless you very specifically write, like do mm-hmm. it for some company. Like you're making a Spider-Man, they got a guy or a, a person, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, I, and I don't know much about that whole like formula and process, or like, but it does seem like when I hear about people talk about like a Spider-Man comic or one of those big publishers and like how they do a project. I'm like, wow, all these people doing these, like these things, I don't know if it's all these things that I'm doing all at once. I think that would be really fun to work on a project that way. But like, you just have to like fill in the spot black or something. (laughs) I don't know. I'm curious about that too. I don't know much about it. 
There are some absolute horror show examples of inkers in uh, comics before. I mean, digital, like, the whole 90s is a mess of trying to solve these things digitally, but, like, there are some really <laughs> weird ones. Uh, like, Frank Miller did Daredevil in the 70s and 80s for a little while, and he's got one style, and they give him this inker that's, and colorist that are like, all right, let's flatten out all these weird lines over here, let's just get rid of this, chop this down, straighten it out. And they're very strange looking, because everybody's familiar with the way that guy's art looks from doing so many, like, very specifically iconic things decades ago, <laughs> and nothing of any relevance lately. But it's interesting seeing a very specific style get kind of mutated by how many hands have to touch it. Yeah, that is interesting to think about too, right? I think I would have to change my mindset from how I, you know, how I start out so that I can, I can let go and just accept <laughs> the, the new form that it takes. <laughs> yeah. I wonder too, like you'd have to, I would, at least I would have these other, other team members like in mind. And so I would be like, oh, do I, I feel like it would change my, my drawing, I'd be like, oh, do I have to, like, fill in all these details? Because I know, like, that person over there is just going to, like, <laughs> blank it out or something. Like, I think that would, I would probably, my art would look different from the start. I've seen plenty of people get the wrong speech bubble attribution, like the wrong person speaking in a panel, and you have to like contextually as the reader be like, oh, they screwed up somewhere here. This will, this is, <laughs> that's not what that, like you'll Wikipedia, like what what's supposed to be going on, like wait, ah, somebody screwed up. <laughs> Thank you, Elon, for having me on the show. This was really fun. I'm always down to talk about comics and comic making. <laughs> uh, and thank you everyone for listening. Uh, please, Check out my art. Uh, my Instagram is at Maloney Doodles. Uh, and you can find all my comics in the link or just we can be comic friends on the internet. <laughs> Bye. From Cap Street to the world, this is BFF.FM. What a fun evening. I hope you had a blast with me. Uh, I'm going to keep it going with some old school recordings. This is another Arrogant Sons of Bitches song. Uh, it is called Radio Single. I can't wait to be a rock star so I can do lots of drugs. And I know you think I'm gonna get, I know you think I'm getting, I can't wait to be a rock star so I can do lots of drugs. This one's called I Musical Genius. Sorry, my friends, if I become drunk with power. And all the shit I talk behind your back, I'm never gonna say it to your face. Sorry, my friends, if you're asking for money. 
the show That's for tea But the matter is not here to make a killing But Jane Navarro told me once he had to get his baby So four at the door means you're putting more food in my mouth And if you help again Oh well then we could be friends But I'd never see your bed I was say thank you very much to sarah and all our listeners tonight and by our i mean mine this is the fake publishing millionaires hour and it's my show mine all mine <laughs> just kidding you want to come on come talk to me it'd be really fun email me at fake publishing millionaires at gmail.com or uh through the station or through our twitter all that stuff here's one last song for you there's a lesson jake this one goes after the kids he drove six hours in a stolen car then this show this one goes out to never lose 